Welcome to the Brewell broadcast, where we break down stigmas, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, and prioritize our mental health. Our goal is to help bridge the gap between the experts and the amateurs of holistic health and wellness through intentional conversation. I'm your host, Bree, and I am so grateful to have you here. All right. Um, so today's episode is going to be really fun, guys. We have Shane from Myco Love Farms with us. And he's going to talk to us about so many cool things that probably has way better explaining than I can ever do for anybody. So um, without further ado, Shane, if you want to just give our guests um, a little bit of information about you and how you started, and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, thanks for having this conversation with me. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's been amazing to see how the mushroom industry has evolved uh, since I started exploring the territory. I guess my start comes in about 2016, slightly a little bit before that, maybe about more than 10 years ago uh, with some of my first psychedelic experiences being in college with uh, psilocybin uh, mushrooms. So that was sort of my start, but I didn't really start digging into it until about 2016 um, after I graduated college. I was uh, really fascinated in college of how I learned or had um, this aha moment um, as I would read some complex chapter uh, in cellular biology. I'd have to read it like five times. Um, that evolved uh, in when I was sitting into one of my professor's classrooms, I would have those aha moments without reading any material, just sitting in his classroom. Um, so I was super intrigued and uh, luckily he took me under his wing and um, not only you know did I focus on this world of uh, ecology and evolutionary biology, genetics, uh, all that kind of sciencey stuff. Um, but also, I was really interested in how individuals learn. I was mostly motivated to figure out how I gained the most long, uh, learning gains or knowledge gains uh, in my lifetime. Because I'm a lifelong learner. I love complex puzzles, and I love to figure them out. And the easier it is for me to figure stuff out, the more fun I have. So it's just yeah. kind of like this, <laughs> this pattern, uh, self-recognition pattern. Um, so I got obsessed with this uh, this idea. You can, you know, it's, you know, simply put, you can have information sort of uh, presented to you uh, a certain way or certain ways, um, which can help facilitate learning. Uh, but then you can also like that's that's beyond some of your control. Uh, one other aspect of it is sort of biological. So whatever I consume, um, I could you know alter my my chemistry to have bigger learning gains as well. So you get into this world of of nootropics. Uh, which is just fancy language for, you know, cognitive support or uh, neuronal formation, neuroplasticity, all these uh, terms that loosely just mean um, having this higher ability or higher affinity to learn complex information. Um, So uh, I started digging a little bit more into that, um, and that brought me into the mushroom world. Um, And then on my science side, uh, being, you know, into this world of ecology and, and restoration and uh, bioremediation, you obviously find mushrooms again in this other chemistry world of mycoremediation. So um, I just got a lot of um, things came in alignment for me, and I got, you know, just projected into this neglected mega science known as the fungal queendom. Um, and in, in that journey, I'm a conscious consumer. Um, I know there's a lot of people who scroll through their Instagram or their social media feeds or are just exposed to this gauntlet of advertising. And a lot of it is these are these mushroom companies that are popping up all over the United States, all over the world. And it's a lot of it is, is just really good marketing. 
Um, and as a conscious consumer, I like to do the legwork to understand what's going into my body. Um, so I would, you know, being obsessed with nootropics, you find this mushroom is one of the most potent natural uh, upregulator of the gene pathways for neuro expression, uh, which is really interesting. Uh, but anyway, I've taken these capsules, started reading the label, uh, and I did a little bit of digging, and I found that there's a lot of unknowns in the mushroom industry. Um, what part of the mushroom you're consuming? So not everybody understands that there's different parts of the mushroom, just like there's, you know, different parts of an apple tree. Um, if your goal is to get the apples, you eat the apple, not the bark of the tree. Um, and that's exactly what's happening in the mushroom industry. These products are masquerading as what you think they are. And in reality, they're not. And if you read that label, a lot of times there's nothing on it. So how much mushroom are you getting? What part of the mushroom are you getting? And then this whole other aspect, you have to, it has to be prepared correctly. Um, I hear a lot of people say, you know, I tried this, it's snake oil, or I'm allergic to mushrooms. Uh, and in reality, it's, you know, either you're allergic to improperly prepared mushrooms uh, or crap products at the end of the day. So uh, that projected me into this concept of figuring out this complex, you know, puzzle of growing mushrooms. And then when you dig into that a bit, you find out, you know, extraction. So I've been doing that since about 2016. Um, and it just kind of grew out from there into Michael Love Farms, where we're at today. If at any point in that conversation, you thought that I was totally like dazed off, I am absolutely like soaking up every ounce of your knowledge. And it was crazy because I like literally have chills. You know, you're absolutely right. Everybody reads social media, you find it online and you have no idea what you're getting. And hearing somebody actually break it down for what it is, it's crazy because mainstream is probably going to be the reason why a lot of people have bad experiences with mushrooms. But the way you're explaining it, it's revolutionary. The potential that these truthfully amazing things have, if we can get them into people's hands like yours, who know what they're talking about and actually do the footwork versus that gas station supplement that people found. Just so you know, I'm not bored by you. I am absolutely amazed. <laughs> I tend to I tend to ramble, so I no. try to cut myself off. No, seriously, like I'm just soaking it all up. I would love if you could give maybe a better description than I could probably provide to everybody listening on just functional mushrooms in general and kind of, you know, their benefits. I, I really don't have ever a good explanation. So I would love to hear yours on just their benefits and what they do for us in general. Right. Um, yeah, I'll start with one thing that I say all the time because it encompasses all of mushrooms. I mean, it, I, again, I don't want to draw a box around them, but it's the best explanation I can give for them. Um, it's the saying I can't, I need to actually find out who originally said it, but I love it. It's, well, we know what we know. So we know the things that we know. And we know, sometimes we know things we don't know. But there's this concept of the unknown unknowns, which is literally infinite. Um, and when we get into this world of, of the queendom of fungi, it's infinite. And it's really difficult to box things in. But what I tend to have to do is put blinders on to sort of box in some of these therapeutic benefits yeah. or concepts of mushrooms. Because, again, it's, it's infinite and we can result in something that happens to everybody when they learn about mushrooms is analysis paralysis um, because there's so much information that you yes. don't know where, where to even navigate. So, and then to top that off um, in this world of, of ecology, uh, there's an estimated, you know, this has doubled since I started in the industry, started reading research papers on the biodiversity of fungal um, genetics on the planet. 
we, though we're learning more, the more we learn, the more we learn we don't actually understand at all. Uh, and in reality, there's an estimated 3 million unique species of fungi on the planet. And don't for a minute think that they're all these mushroom forming, you know, creatures. So that's only a small subset. So they usually fall into a couple of categories, which is a fraction of that number, um, the 3 million. And of that, we've named less than 10%, you know, identified 10% different genetics. And within that, when we get into this, this term functional, um, it kind of encompasses all mushrooms that have some sort of therapeutic value. Um, but it's, it's a differentiation term from medicinal because when, you know, as people are learning about medicinal mushrooms, they used to just all be lumped into one category. But now when you say medicinal, people automatically shift towards psilocybin containing mushrooms, which is totally fine. But we really want to make it clear that there's many kinds of mushrooms out there. So we, we like to term these non-psilocybin, non-psychedelic containing mushrooms as functional mushrooms. In the world of functional mushrooms are pretty much all mushrooms. You have these therapeutic mushrooms and you have these gourmet mushrooms. And, you know, it turns out most of these, almost all of these gourmet mushrooms have some sort of medicinal value. So they're all sort of medicinal mushrooms at the end of the day, dosage dependent. Um, and out of that, I would say there's been publications on maybe think the number is about 600 unique species of mushrooms having some sort of therapeutic value. Of that, there's been over 130 functional pathways that have been identified uh, that these mushrooms can, can you know, use as, be used as some sort of therapeutic value for, the, for organisms. And I want to be broad here um, because we don't want to be anthropocentric in thinking that these mushrooms evolved to have these compounds to be beneficial for humanity. In reality, we don't know that. Um, it could be all animals. It could be all organisms. It could be these are created for microorganisms in the soil. I, I, at the end of the day, I don't. No one really knows. Right. Um, and and in that world, one thing I also want to state is the. I think it's the fourth leading cause of death in the United States over the past two, two decades has been attributed to taking prescriptions by your doctor. So there is this, uh, you know, need to take health back into consumers' hands and remove it from the powers that have maintained it forever, basically. Um, and out of all of these functional mushrooms, they have great therapeutic values. The ones that Michael focuses on are, are mainly the top four that have been published, cited in research and clinical research. And we focus on, like I mentioned earlier, lion's mane, amazing mushroom. Uh, it's what got me into mushroom cultivation. This mushroom we'll get into. And then there's cordyceps, cordyceps militaris, another amazing mushroom. Consider your energy provider kind of mushroom if we put the blinders on. And you have reishi, which is the everything mushroom. So when in doubt, take the reishi mushroom. Good friend of mine uh, likes to say it's a, it's a warm blanket for your nervous system. Uh, and then we have turkey tail, uh, which again has all of these awesome benefits. Those are the top four mushrooms that we mainly grow and focus on here at Michelob. That's not to say that we're tied to those four mushrooms. I mean, we've worked with chaga extractions, but there's this unsustainability aspect that we're still really struggling to figure out. You have tremella, you have maitake, you have these oyster mushrooms that are super medicinal. There's all these sort of mushrooms in these categories, but we'll stick with the top four. And then uh, what's awesome about lion's mane, uh, again, why it got me into cultivation is this idea of nootropics. So what's really cool is your entire body is made up of neurons. 
these neurons need to communicate through electrical signals. Most people jump to the brain because it, they think it's the most, you know, neuronal dense material, which, you know, maybe so it is, but your heart's made of neurons, your lungs are made of neurons, your stomach, which is considered your second brain, is all neurons. Uh, not all neurons, but it's, it, there's a lot of neurons going on there, and they go throughout your body. So lion's mane not only is for, you know, cognitive enhancement, but which just think of this neuronal support mushroom. And what it's been able to be looked at to be done is this idea of, um, you know, any sort of cognitive decline. And the other aspect I really want to touch on when it comes to functional mushrooms, uh, the best way to consume functional mushrooms is as a preventative. Um, a lot of people uh, in the U.S., you know, think about treating symptoms. The, treating symptoms can be important, don't get me wrong, but the goal, I think, would be to prevent those symptoms from ever even coming about. So when people think of lion's mane, they think they might need to, they might need to be suffering some, from some sort of cognitive decline to get the most value out of it. No, not at all. Um, you can be a, a healthy, you know, normal individual that just wants to, you know, upregulate their gene expression for neuronal development, uh, which could be uh, any sort of neuromuscular or neurodegeneration potential issue, uh, you can take lion's mane as a preventative or even just, you know, enhance your performance in general. And I think that's where lion's mane, uh, we like to encompass that mushroom. Uh, Cordyceps militaris, uh, super awesome mushroom, uh, it's considered the uh, energy mushroom. There are the endurance, you know, these organelles, you have this one that's called the mitochondria. And most people have memorized the saying that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. So, if you want to put some context to that, maybe you remember ATP, which is adenosine triphosphate. All that's really important here is that cordyceps produces a compound that is identical or non-distinguishable from the A in ATP, the adenosine and cordycepin, very similar. So it's used in that pathway, uh, readily uptaken by that mitochondria, which upregulates and that results in endurance. So maybe you're on your feet all day, maybe you hike, bike, whatever. Um, and instead of getting that 3 p.m. crash, you're able to push that further out and further out until you don't have to deal with it anymore, basically. I felt that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I love – those are probably my top two favorite mushrooms, uh, cordyceps and lion's mane, because you, as you can see, um, I, I, I tend to have be a high energetic individual, and I try to um, – you know, figure these complexities out. So lion's mane cordyceps is kind of a, my perfect combo um, supplement, if you will. And then reishi and turkey tail are, are I think, are on this other world uh, when we're talking about, you know, health and wellness in general. So this world, this world, it, you know, uh, and science is really interested in this term adaptogenics. And it's sort of a, a popular word right now that's on like almost every product. So what does this word adaptogen even mean? Um, the goal is, to, well, we all experience stress one way or another. Um, stress <laughs> is a general term, and let's keep it as general as possible because anything that you experience that stresses you out is a stressor. And that could be outside, you know, uh, cultural things, you know, these made up uh, capitalistic systems involving money, you know, rent, all these things to be stressful in this made up world um, that can induce you know, this imbalance in somebody. And you can also get that from uh, injuring yourself or poor eating habits or lack of exercise. So all of that can result in this sort of stress, which is really just the measure of imbalance, not feeling balanced. We'll just put it like that. This world of adaptogenics just means that whatever that imbalance is, let's say specifically it's a hormonal imbalance of cortisol. And that's just 
not great for individuals at the end of the day. It can do right. all sorts of things. Um, so when you take an adaptogen, the goal is to bring your system that's imbalanced back to balance so that you can better withstand those stressors in your life. At the end of the day, I, I don't think that mushrooms are a panacea. So I don't think it's, you know, you can have the most stressful life in the world and take reishi. And I think short term, it, you're going to get benefits. But I think long term, I think the goal would be to identify the stressors in your life and figure those out outside of the world of, of taking something to treat that symptom at the end of the day, right? We want to prevent that. So we have to go to the root cause of those stressors. But then anyway, Reishi kind of and does all these other amazing things. Uh, it's an amino modulator. We'll get into that maybe later. Turgutel, um, very similar. Um, it, it, not necessarily considered this adaptogenic, but for uh, immune boosting reasons. It's got a lot of awesome benefits. These compounds called polysaccharides. Um, PFP, specifically polysaccharide peptide, and PSK, polysaccharide crestin. Um, these are heavily researched in Japan for the past 40, 50 years as uh, natural anti-cancer agents, which is really cool. Um, uh, one study, I think, is there's a lot of really awesome studies that are coming up, I think, in the U.S., hopefully, that are looked at in conjunction with chemotherapeutics and the, the benefits turkey tail could have in conjunction with modern technology, which is really cool. But anyway... I digress. All these four mushrooms, that's kind of how I would put them into their own little theme, if you will. Uh, but the underlying weirdness about all of them is they all have uh, these beta-glucans in them, um, which is really cool. Um, so these beta-glucans are considered immunomodulators, built into the name. They modulate the immune system. So again, balancing or upregulating or stimulating or reducing. Maybe your immune system is attacking itself. That's not good. Or if it's underactive, that's not good. So, you know, it really has this ability to upregulate or downregulate based on what you really need uh, in the moment. So I was getting a little emotional after you said that people have died of pharmaceuticals. So I didn't even tell you this in our discovery call. Oh, sorry. I When I found you guys, I've been looking for somebody with your guys' background. And this is totally a sidebar. Two years ago, this November, my grandfather, who basically raised me, um, my son had went out to give, they had a business, he went out to give a vendor a check, and that vendor was carrying a load of finished plywood. This plywood, this guy unbolted off his truck, slid, and my grandpa jumped in front of it to save my son's life. And ever since then, he has been terribly pushed around the pharmaceutical system. The amount of prescriptions that he is on every single day is lethal. It is absolutely sickening that he sees a routine doctor multiple times, basically once a week, and they are aware of the pharmaceuticals that he is on. And when I started this whole like jumping into the mushroom space, it really was because I knew like I had told and advocated for him. I, I'm like, you should not be on these things. This is insane to me that they are willing to let you have the, like nobody, even with the way they have narcotics, like locked down, they are prescribing him so many. It is insane. And basically it's because it crushed his femur mm -hmm. and they had to like do the surgery to, um, he got like a hip replacement, you know, definitely a lot of nerve damage. And they basically told him due to his age, there's nothing we can do for you. 
when you guys sent me your care package, I tried it and I'll talk about that when we talk about your guys' products, but I truly, truly am having him stick to taking them every single day. And he already in the small amount of time that I've had him has lessened his morning doses. At least he can wake up and he has noticed a significant difference. I told him just personal advice to take, um, his reishi at night for relaxing. He literally told me the next day, I have not slept this well since I was laying in the hospital on an IV drip. And so when you started telling me that, that was my, that is literally my biggest fear is that the medications that they have him on are going to kill him. And he just turned 71 two weeks ago. I know he's lived a good life, but he still has a lot of life to live. And like he saved my kid's life and he's always been important to me even before I was, I had a child, but I literally will advocate for him till the day he isn't here to try to figure out something. And so your guys, what you guys have going is literally something that I cannot even express to you how grateful I am. I appreciate that. Thank you. But Um, sorry, continue. I just was, no, you're good. I didn't want you to think I was like sitting here being a weirdo crying, but I, it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, it's blowing me away. Um, there's many anecdotal stories from my personal growth and my, as well as my family's as well. And it's, it's, it's what's sad is what we're talking about is not an uncommon story. We were fortunate to have one of our co-founders um, is Jake Plummer, who is the former one of the former quarterbacks for the Denver Broncos. Um, and why he aligned with, with, the way I, we, we both kind of aligned as well as the other members in, in a lot of different ways. But one way that I really um, loved, you know, or understood his deep emotional uh, touch to fun- functional mushrooms was, you know, as a pro- professional football athlete, a retired football athlete, they're given prognosis by the, by the mid thirties or even later, hopefully, but they're just like, Hey, you wrecked your body um, and your Basically, you know, this is your diagnosis is to decline from here on out, basically cognitively, uh, muscularly, whatever, you're just going to start shutting down, you ruined your body. And he did not accept that. He was just like, no, um, not going to happen to me. Uh, and he, he took his own path, uh, which is really cool to learn about. Anyway, he was able to, you know, get our name out there quite a bit. And we were fortunate to have some articles published. Um, and then in some other podcasts and stuff like that. And, and what happened was really interesting. We got a lot of emails, um, a lot of people reaching out. And after spending literally two years, basically reading through these emails, and if you email Michael Love, the customer service representative that, that responds to you, that's this guy here, the CEO of the company. I spend my time to make sure that everybody, like, I understand what, I want to understand what the perception is and what people's questions are to help them find solutions. And after reading all of these emails, thousands of emails, and I, if I had to sum up the themes of the emails, it doesn't matter if they were 18 or 118 years old. They're saying they're desperate. Uh, Western medicine has failed them one way or another. How can mushrooms help me? And what's really challenging for us as well as any mushroom company that's out there is our hands are mostly tied. Um, we aren't really able to give out any sort of one medical advice. We can't do that because we're not medical professionals. Like there's regulations in place that make sense. And as well as the FDA, 
not regulating uh, mushroom supplements at this time, we aren't able to say any of the research. So there might be thousands of publications out there, hundreds of publications, and people ask us very specific medical questions and how which, which mushroom can help them. And unfortunately, most of the time, we can't even respond to them with any sort of uh, pointing in any direction, which is, is a little unfortunate, but all that it means is. is it is. So one thing that we're trying to figure out is how to create some sort of centralized database, you know, hypothetically at some future point, a separate nonprofit organization that's not tied to the commercial side of our business uh, would be like a call center where you could call in or online actually would be way easier. Uh, you just pump in some general information uh, and you get back a bunch of other hits of public uh, domain, basically, of people that are the same uh, you know, makeup, same age, same condition, this is what they worked or did not work for them when it comes to mushroom products. So that's just like the start. Data collection is really important for the mushroom industry as well as the consumer yes. base. But then just product quality identification, we're, we got to start from the beginning. Um, that's where, you know, there a lot of the education has to come in is, is having conversations like this about, you know, a company like us that's the local um, US-based company because it turns out uh, no joke, I would say a bulk majority of the mushrooms that are consumed in the U.S. as a product don't even come from the U.S. Most of it's imported from overseas. And there's very little, you know, sort of testing or regulation that goes in on on validating the quality of a product if it even is the mushroom you think it is. Um, and, you know, on the surface level, there's very simple things that we should figure out and work on as an industry as well as educating the consumer base, but it gets so complex because, you know, when we're talking about reishi, uh, for instance, there was a research publication uh, where these researchers went out to all, all over the world. They found commercial mushroom companies that were growing reishi. We'll just say reishi is a loose term. The species name for reishi that everyone knows about or thinks they really know about or writes about or, or does any sort of clinical research on is one species called Ganoderma lucidum. Now, what if I told you these researchers went out all over the world, they collected 32 different samples, and then they ran a DNA analysis on all of them, a genetic analysis, and they found that it wasn't one species, but it was 13 different species that were probably close related. Uh, so all that really means is that there are many reishi species out there in the world, and a lot of them grow here on native U.S. soil, which is really cool. So we go out to the wild, whether that's in California, or Oregon, Washington, or even here in Colorado. As long as it grows here in Colorado, we'll clone it out uh, and then start growing that mushroom out and comparing its um, you know, compound production to the OG lucidum, which, again, we don't really know what species that even is at this point. Um, but yeah, it's, I love that you included that. I was going to ask you to mention how you guys get them because that was super cool that you told, when you told me you guys are out in the field, literally collecting these samples and bringing them back. Like, that's awesome. That's crazy. And you know, it's, I just want to sidebar again, you know, you like our conversation was, I said, phenomenal. I turned around and I was just like, dude, this guy has so much good information and that, you know, what you have in store, what you guys are planning, that would be phenomenal because seriously, Shane, like people need to know the information. I even right now in this conversation had no idea that you guys were not able to give medical advice, but that makes sense. It kind of attests to why it's so little people have any knowledge about them, you know, because yeah. the right people such as yourself 
aren't able to even, you know, reach out and be like, hey, these things I've had, you know, success with, maybe you should try them because it would be like frowned upon, which is totally shitty. But, you know, hopefully in the future, we can get to a point where these conversations are just happening all around us. And again, you're just so educated that I'm super glad that you're on the podcast so that people can understand, you know, even just my small community of listeners, exactly what you guys have going. And from 2002 to 2012, there were 244 pharmaceutical compounds tested in 314 clinical research trials, specifically on cognitive decline or Alzheimer's disease. What's interesting is out of all of these tests and all of these unique created uh, synthetic compounds by these pharmaceutical giants, one was approved um, and it was not proven to be effective. There is a lot of issues um, and, and that's where like mushrooms are really unique too, because our brains, because of the world of science, and I, again, I don't want to bash science necessarily, but we have to be very careful because it, I used to be two feet in science. And then, you know, mushrooms show you, you can't, you can't do that. Uh, you got to have a foot out there in the creative land um, in sort of this, this other universe, you can call it uh, mysticism or whatever, what have you. Um, but mushrooms are really good at, at not being boxed in. <laughs> so when you start boxing them in, you box in your own creativity and your own ability to understand the mushroom. Um, and then in the world of science, it's, it's really gotten down to this reductionism concept where you can create one singular compound that has this uh, therapeutic effect. Now, when you take mushrooms, there are many compounds found in the mushrooms. Um, again, many of them of which we don't really know, we haven't identified. So the numbers I might say here are going to be different years from now and maybe six months from now. So Reishi, at this point, I think we've identified up to 500 unique compounds, uh, which is probably the most out of any mushroom that I'm familiar with, at least. Um, and you have mushrooms like lion's mane, which I, I think are up to 80 now. Um, and you have cordyceps tell with all these other, you know, dense amount of, of diverse compounds in there. And it's not about just isolating this one compound out of the mushroom, um, because it turns out most of these compounds, arguably, from what we have been able to measure, work in synergy with each other. So it's this ensemble effect, right? So right. if you go to an orchestra, you're not there just to see the, the violin players. You're there to see the whole orchestra working in conjunction with itself because it brings a better um, experience to the whole thing, arguably, right? So that's the, this idea of ensemble effect or entourage effect. Um, and if you were to take, you know, two classified, two classes of compounds out of mushrooms, these beta-glucans, and this, these other ones are really cool, these uh, triterpenes or terpenoids. Uh, they're really way different classes of compounds. And if you ran a therapeutic study on just beta-glucans, uh, you might get a therapeutic value um, of, you know, let's say whatever. Um, and then you run one on uh, these triterpenoids or these sesquiterpenes. You get that you get a similar value um, from just running a singular study on just those compounds. Now, when you take them together, uh, you get a higher measurable effect beyond the individual effects, uh, which is really cool to see in this world of science, having to try to understand the complexities of this synergy or the synergistic behavior between these complex compounds. The whole time you're talking, I'm just soaking this up. No one's ever explained it in a way that I understand, but this is I'm able to be receptive and it's making sense to me. I personally got to try your guys' products uh, the last week. And I have to say, first of all, 
I don't know why, but I hesitated when I first opened the dropper and was like, I have a feeling this is going to taste. I mean, I know you told me it had glycerin in it, but I was like, he probably just said that to like, help me not have this, you know, terrible reaction. It tastes like sugar. It literally tasted like, like I took a little drop of it and I was like, wait a minute, this is really good. <laughs> so I would love for you to let everybody know more about your guys' products because I absolutely, um, at the end, we're going to link your guys' information because I want everybody to go and check you guys out. A very piece of information, special information you shared with me about your wife and regarding her pregnancy. Is it safe to take while pregnant, unmedically advised, just any experience you've had? Yeah. So yeah, again, where I have to put the disclaimer, not a medical professional and I can't uh, advocate for the use of, of anything in that phase, I can give a personal example or anecdote about myself and my experience. Um, so, you know, being a co-founder and CEO of a, a functional mushroom company where we grow and extract and research and do all the things uh, in the mushroom space, um, we start to, you know, you're kind of noted to be, you know, familiar with that space. So when my wife was pregnant, I was like, you know, obviously I think she should take, you know, some mushroom extracts um, that makes sense um, because of the things she's dealing with. And, and I want to make sure my, my soon to be born child has a really awesome development in, in the gestation phase. Um, but we wanted to be super safe. So when we're in talking to our doctor about everything, I asked her uh, her professional opinion. Uh, she literally looked at me and said, just simply said, uh, I, you know, I would ask yourself if what you think, because you have more of an understanding about it than I do. And because she just didn't have any sort of comprehension or research understanding of functional mushrooms in the space, she said that she was required to say no, because she doesn't know, she has to say no. So she just, she deferred judgment on to me. Uh, which was super interesting to to kind of have that realization that most medical professionals, it's not that they are working against natural medicines. It's, I think they're missing that entire aspect in their educational pathway. Um, yeah. So I just think there's a long way to come when it comes to Western medicine and this Eastern uh, thinking idea where you pay uh, your doctor at the end of the year for not getting sick. It's this preventative maintenance uh, sort of mindset. And you, you learn the most in preventative maintenance from more nutraceutical realms, natural um, products like functional mushrooms, if you will. And so your wife ended up doing a little bit of a, um, a protocol from you, right? And it worked. Yeah, absolutely. I had her, I mainly had her focus on lion's mane and uh, reishi. There's a real thing. You could Google it. Uh, it's called reishi babies. So it's, it's people, it's mother's experiences. Uh, using reishi during pregnancy as well as postpartum um, and the effect that they feel that it had on that process as well as their children, which is really cool to see. And yeah, that was another push for, you know, developing a non-alcohol product uh, because I wanted my wife specifically to be able to take a product that she doesn't have to worry about the alcohol content at all. She could just take a non-alcohol version of our product and, you know, go from there. I, what was interesting is, you know, I also give my one-year-old uh, mushroom supplements. Um, I give them specifically lion's mane uh, and reishi. I think those are really awesome, uh, safe mushrooms in my experience that I'm comfortable giving my own child them. Uh, and he loves the glycerin ones. Uh, he's <laughs> actually excited to, to take it every day, which is really cool to see. That's cute. On that note, um, since you started kind of talking about more, are 
do you do a daily um, regimen yourself? Yeah. So um, I also work in, you know, I work at the farm as well as the lab and I work in the extraction side and just like a baker, uh, I lick the, the, the throwaway spoon or the bowl after it's done. Right. So um, my regimen's a little different than people because I also experiment on myself. Um, and here is a good example. So we are working on, so focused on potency, um, we are taking some of our extracts and we're concentrating them into these uh, tars. Um, so the best analogy is, that's out there, I would say, would be, uh, the closest analogy would be RSO. So RSO is called the Rick Simpson oil. It was created in the cannabis industry, not only for just high concentrated, uh, taking basically a whole plant and then concentrating it down to a gram. So just taking as much concentration as you can. Um, that's what we kind of started doing with the mushrooms. Uh, we call them nartars because they're gnarly and they're tar-like. Um, but I consume, not only do I take the tinctures every day, um, but I also take a good, you know, tablespoon of this stuff probably on a daily basis as well. <laughs> Uh, just to see, you know, what is it going to do? I don't know. Um, and that stuff there is probably like a 25 to one. So it's, it's literally taking uh, 25 uh, liters or any, any number, 25 gallons, and then concentrating it down to one gallon. Um, yeah. That's honestly, I'm so grateful that you've shared this last hour with me because I have learned so much. It's phenomenal. On that note, I would love before we close out to hear your opinions on do you feel as though with mushrooms becoming as mainstream as they are and decriminalizations of psychedelics, what do you think is in store for not only Myco Love Farms, but overall, where are we going in this space? In the psilocybin specific space, do you think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I've recently gotten a lot more comfortable talking about psychedelic mushrooms. You know, we're in Colorado, um, it, where it was decriminalized, uh, where it's been sort of decriminalized in other places in the country as well. I think it's really important to also say, you know, decrim does not mean legalization either. I think that's really important because yes. we get a lot of people asking us in other states, hey, I want to microdose or hey, I want to try mushrooms. I heard you guys are in the medicinal mushroom space, can I buy psychedelic mushrooms? And we're like, no, uh, it's not legal to do that. Um, I think, you know, I think it's really amazing to see the evolution of the, you know, the mindset around natural psychedelics uh, overall, whatever the psychedelic really is. I mean, psilocybin is like one part of that entire world. Um, but psilocybin specifically has been shown, you know, anecdotally, if you just went on what people talk about, it's, you know, there's a lot of things people are looking to psilocybin for and dosage is also really important. They're, you know, looking at learning gains or this idea of a nootropic or um, sort of a, a, you know, a stimulant in some regard uh, for people's productivity um, on a microdose level. And then, you know, also therapeutically uh, on a microdose level for all sorts of reasons. Um, and then at a macrodose level, again, people who have experienced macrodoses, um, probably understand or, you know, have, you know, glimpsed at the potential therapeutic value of a high dose, you know, psychedelic. Um, so I think it's very, a very exciting world to explore. I do think there's a lot to still be uh, understood and learned throughout the process. 
because again, I want to be very careful. I don't want people to get stuck in this reductionism mindset where they're thinking about psilocybin, psilocybin. Well, it turns out uh, Psilocybe stupensis, the mushroom that most people consume or grow, um, or the one that's being worked on uh, clinically, uh, contains many compounds, uh, not just that tryptamine. So there's many tryptamines and different forms and structures that come in different psilocybin mushrooms. And I still think there's an entourage or ensemble effect uh, to be explored when it comes to therapeutic value gains out of these mushrooms. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, in the next couple of years, I think it's going to be really awesome that people can do these uh, psychedelic facilitated um, therapeutic sessions um, in, in very, you know, controlled environments where they feel safe. Um, they have the most therapeutic gains because they have someone to facilitate, not necessarily, I want to be careful with the word guide, I don't think that's really appropriate in a lot of the, the more modern usage of psychedelics. I think it's more of a harm reduction technique because um, I think a lot of people need to, you know, they don't necessarily need a guide. I think that they are their own guide and that these compounds are also guides for themselves, which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, I think for Michael Love, I mean, we our mission is to create high quality therapeutic products that heal. Um, and I think that doesn't box us in. Um, so if there is a legal uh, pathway forward uh, for a high quality therapeutic product that heals people, I think Michael Love will definitely be there. I love that. And I would like to mention everybody listening, Shane said something in our discovery call that they are similarly about five years ahead of science. And so just to give you a little bit of background on this guy, he is put a lot of time in, as you can tell by our conversation, and he definitely knows what he's talking about. So if you take anything away from this podcast today, I would love for everybody, make sure you know where you are getting your mushrooms from. Um, you also told me this very important thing, and I cannot remember. You said there are three questions for a consumer. Oh. I would love for you to share that. Yeah. So uh, I, this is the three questions that I started, you know, figured out for myself to identify a quality product quickly. You know, you should always be asking any, I think it works for any product at the end of the day, but specifically for mushroom products, you should be asking uh, does that company grow their own mushrooms? Um, though, you know, there might be nuances and arguments for why that necessarily isn't that important, but I think you can really get down to the bottom of where those mushrooms are coming from. I think that's what's important. Do they grow their own mushrooms? Do they do their own extractions? I think that's really important too. Um, and I do think uh, fruiting body or mycelium. So they should be able to tell you what part of the mushroom that they are using. And mu mushroom companies, if, you know, if they were doing the right thing, let's just put it that way, they're going to be excited to tell you, you know, what part of the mushroom they're using and why. Mm -hmm. Now, if you read a label and it says this word mushroom on it, that's a, that's a term that's, that's not regulated. Uh, mushroom doesn't mean anything. It could be the bark of an apple tree. It could be the apple. Now, if a company was using fruiting body, they'll say they're using fruity body. And if they're using mycelium and they're using the word mushroom and they're willing to hide that fact, what else are they hiding at the end of the day? Yes. All very important. Um, so if you guys are on the hunt for very good, reputable people, you should definitely check out Shane. And if you want to give them your social, I saw you guys have classes. So is that, are they in person? Yeah. So we do, um, we do mostly the education stuff is local. Um, so we do mushroom cultivation workshops locally at the lab, uh, in Longmont, Colorado. Um, it's a six hour crash course. It's, you know, to put it simply, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant sometimes. Um, 
but you don't have to know anything. You can walk out with, you know, the basic foundations for how to grow mushrooms. Uh, and we also talk about the functional value and, and that, that all that stuff as well. And there's really cool educational games in there. Um, but we also teach, um, you know, clinicians, pharmacies, as well as herbalists, um, the introduction to medicinal mycology. And I do that locally through uh, herb schools here in Colorado. The Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism is one. Um, and I also teach in, in local uh, places around Denver. Um, that's not to say I'm not, you know, more than stoked to do a private, you know, Zoom class somewhere on the interwebs. Uh, if there's enough people, I will be there, uh, very simply put. I love that because I would love to do your crash course. So you and I have to conversate when you have time. I would love to get a group together and do that. Um, I mean, I would even come to Colorado, to be honest, because I was already, and I was looking at your guys' website, I was like, huh, I've always wanted to go to Colorado. I might as well. Yeah, um, let me know. So yeah, we'll chat about that. Uh, follow on Instagram is at Michael Love Farms. Yep, at, at Michael Love Farms is our IG social. It's the only one we really focus on. I mean, we do have a Facebook. You can find us there as well. Um, but I don't think we're on any other platforms at this time. If you don't have anything else, I am so appreciative of your time and I cannot wait to chat again. I will definitely stay in touch. I would love to set something up with you if you're really interested in doing that interwebby type of style class, but yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you want to do, uh, we, what we always want to do is just get more products and more hands. So we're down to do like a discount code uh, for you. Um, yeah, let's if you do want to offer that. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We'll put a discount code together. Of course. I really am appreciative. Um, I did not even expect to tell you that personal encounter today at all. I was, it's definitely something that I obviously, you can tell I'm very emotional and I definitely have something to work through with it. And I think that's really important to, for people to hear so that people don't feel so alone. Yes. Um, and I think, I think it's the, the one thing that nobody talks about. Um, some people are you know open about it, but a lot of people find it very difficult. So no, I, I really appreciate you, Shane. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning into the Brewell broadcast. Please make sure you follow our community via socials. If you really like this episode, please make sure to rate and review so others can find us as well. And most importantly, stay well, friends.